Community Conversations with Community Centres SA. Here's Kerry Ackermans. Philanthropy is often defined as the desire to promote the welfare of others, especially by the generous donation of money to good causes. It has a broader definition than you may think, though. Volunteering is a form of philanthropy. For many of us, however, we donate on a situational basis. And for many Australians, it's especially at a time when disasters occur, as we've seen with fires and floods. But a more structured form of giving over time, using tax-effective structures called ancillary funds, can make managing gift-giving easier and result in sustainable benefits for the charities they support. Joining me to talk about philanthropy is David Ward, Technical Director of Australian Philanthropic Services, APS. Good afternoon, David. Good afternoon, Kerry. Now, David, you would have your own definition of philanthropy, having been involved for so many years, and what structured giving is. Yes, Kerry, well, you captured it pretty well. It actually comes from the, the Greek word, meaning a love of, of humankind. So it's, it's about giving but in a structured way. And, and perhaps worthwhile just reflecting on those as two components. Now, why do people give? And obviously, that's a very much a personal thing. And I'm sure every one of your listeners will be giving for different reasons. Now, some give because it's part of their religion. Uh, others uh, give because they've just got a sense of perhaps being a a bit lucky or fortunate when they grew up or went to university, um, you know, fees were free, etc., and therefore they feel an obligation uh, to to give back. Others are just absolutely passionate about uh, a particular cause, whether it's climate change for a lot of young people or, or, or the arts or, or or education. You know, that can that can motivate people. Um, but all in all, it's about a sense of joy of giving and, and helping other peoples and getting that sort of, um, you know, satisfaction back. So I always say all philanthropists start off as givers, but then they think, well, maybe I can do this in a slightly better way, as you touched on, and that's when they move into philanthropy. And the reasons why they might do that is because they want to be a little more thoughtful, perhaps, than they're giving rather than just reactive. They they may want to support something that takes a bit of time, like if you're supporting scholarships or, you know, through the Smith family, support, supporting a young kid to, to go through school. You can't just do it for one year. You've got to do it for, for multiple years. So sometimes it's about that timing question. You know, there are, there are businesses and, and people that realise that, you know, they have good years and bad years in their income, in their income earning, but they want to be able to give every year. So they then think, well, in the good years, I'll put a bit extra away, and there, therefore it means I can be consistent in giving out in every year. So it's, it's a combination of wanting to give, but also wanting to do it in a particularly structured way and a way that's not too influenced by time. And David, how did you get involved with philanthropy? Because you come from a very strong financial background. Yes, my parents were were both in the education sector, so um, education was always a strong driver in our in our family. But I, in fact, had a bit of a multiple career and, and finished up with uh, working for for ANZ for for twenty years. And I, in fact, finished up my last job there was managing 
their trustee company, which had a lot of the large philanthropic Melbourne-based trusts in it. And I got involved and found it was absolutely fascinating how people, in some cases 100 years previously, had set money aside for the community and and we were still spending that money on behalf of that person 100 years later. And whether it was the Felton Bequest or some of the other big Melbourne trusts, it showed that you could keep on having an impact way after someone had left this world. And David, that's about purpose and legacy really, isn't it? Is that everyone likes to feel that they're going to leave something behind. So this is a wonderful legacy and it's driven for the purpose for the person. They can help determine what's going to happen with their money. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. And people will get a totally different sense of satisfaction from supporting um, different causes. I mean, a lot of the legacy discussion is is people that might have within their family a medical uh, disaster that's that's, that's taken a young person or old person's life. And they just feel that no other family should go through that experience again if they can help it. So often they will set up a a medical research um, fundraising effort to try and understand and find a new treatment for the particular ailment. So the legacy of the unfortunate person that died is that others don't suffer in the the same way and and that gives the family a positive um, legacy from that particular tragedy. I'm talking to David Ward, Technical Director of the Australian Philanthropic Services, I think humans need to make sense of things, don't they? And going through the grief process, action, doing something positive that you think that you are helping really can make a difference. That's really common that a grief counsellor will tell people when they've gone through a tragedy. Oh, that's absolutely correct. That's, and that is one of the big, uh, the big drivers is that people just say, look, this, I don't want others to have to go through that if, if I can avoid it. And, and a lot of medical research funding and a lot of cancer funding comes from people driven by that, um, dealing with that, um, that, that grief. But it also comes from, you know, the other side of human emotion and on the joy and, you know, and the joy of, um, the arts and that overall satisfaction from just being part of a vibrant society and, and certainly in, in Adelaide with, and a legacy of James and Diana Ramsey who have done so much for the arts world in South Australia. And that, that, that's the joy side of philanthropy coming through. And you can actually see it in your living time as well because for a lot of people they get concerned about living out their own retirement and having enough money. But if you do it in a structured sense, which we will get to, it means that that legacy can grow and you're able to help so many more people and see it happening in front of you, not when you're no longer here. Absolutely correct. Um, and, and we've got a good example of that. It was a family that came to APS when we were really just after we'd started setting up about just over 10 years ago. So in, in 2014, they had a sale of a business. They put $2 million into a, a foundation because they wanted that to be their sort of community contribution from the success of their, their business. Roll on nine years, and that foundation has already given away almost a million. So they they put two million in, they've given away a million, and because it's been uh, well invested, and because of particularly foundations don't have to pay income tax, they don't have to pay capital gains tax, they get all the franking credits back, that money has grown within the structure. So 
nine years on, a million given away, and there's still 2.3 million there, and it's giving away $100,000 every year. So instead of just giving the money away, perhaps, at the first uh, outset, and then it would have been spent and gone, they've been giving the money away regularly, and in within sort of 15 years or thereabouts, they will have given away more than the original amount and the money is still intact and still generating additional outflow to the community every year. So it's really taking a managed approach to gift giving rather than that situational. Yes, it's particularly it's a managed approach and it's separating the thought of giving some money to the community in general, general and the decision of which part of the community and when do you want to give it and how do you want to give it. So rather than doing big lump sum to a particular charity or a couple of charities, it's about giving the money into a foundation and then the family still making the choices of which community organisation, whether it's uh, relief of disadvantage or the arts or climate change or medical research and, and working that out on an ongoing basis and perhaps changing through time because as generations get involved, you no know, children and grandchildren often have um, different priorities of where they would like money to be spent in the community. And life changes and priorities changes because, of course, domestic violence now, as we've seen with recent times, is really rising up for everyone. Absolutely. We've got another one of our early foundations and uh, and they've only supported domestic violence causes um, over the uh, over the 10 years. And that's mostly because the, the two young girls in the family um, had spent some time thinking about it. And while they acknowledged that they lived a slightly more advantageous life than their parents had, they could see that there are, there are others of their age in the community suffering greatly from domestic violence situations at home. And therefore, that's the people the children said, Mum and Dad, we should be helping them. And David, you know philanthropists well. You've dealt with them for a long time. One of the things that I always hear when I talk to people who do want to give is this issue around who do you give it to, as you said, because there's a lot of concern about charities where the admin dollar goes, how much is really going to the cause. How is APS involved in that process? Well, the model we we run is the selection of of charities is always the, the donor's prerogative. So they are the trustees of foundations that we set up when we set up a private ancillary fund and they make the decision. And equally, donors make recommendations into a public ancillary fund that we that we manage the overall investments and uh, governance for. So it's, we are very much a donor-driven organisation when it comes to philanthropy. But we do have a, a team of grant-making people that can you know assist. And yeah, administration costs is something that often people do raise, but organisations need money to keep the lights on and pay key staff. So administration's costs are a necessary part of any organisation. And we always caution about being too focused or just too much picking a particular level that you think, no, you know, they shouldn't be paying that sort of money. You actually got to pay money for good professional service, which is what you need if you want to have impact. So 
the real judgment should be more about the impact that the organisation is having rather than getting too focused on one particular aspect of their expenses. We'd much rather see an organisation that does have a level of expenses and is creating absolute great change for the beneficiaries, whether they are you know, refugees or disadvantaged Indigenous people or, or young artists. It's about how do you make sure that, you know, they are achieving the most that they can as far as delivering uh, benefits to the community rather than just worrying too much about one particular line item in the administrative expenses. Yes, that's very good advice. Talking to David Ward, Technical Director of the Australian Philanthropic Services, what does APS actually do, David? We do three things. Um, simply, uh, we, we set up and administer and provide governance services to um, private ancillary funds. We also run a, a very large public ancillary fund that's got about 500 different families involved in it and um, you know, a total of $250-odd million now. And, and they have individual accounts within the the public ancillary fund, whereas a private ancillary fund is a standalone trust that operates as an independent foundation. And then thirdly, we, we do provide grant-making advice and helping helping those donors pick the causes that they are passionate about and then which are the best uh, charities operating in that, those particular areas. So David, you've dealt with a lot of charities. From your perspective, do you think there's anything that the charity sector needs to be looking at to improve their opportunities for donors to take notice and to provide them with this important funding? I think one of the issues for the whole charitable sector is one of ensuring overall effectiveness of their operations. Um, some people argue that there are too many charities operating in some areas and that there are potential benefits, particularly in the administration and, and compliance type sides of things of charities uh, getting together and, and merging their operations. It's always been a challenge for charities. Um, they have always very passionate-driven organisations, often with volunteer boards and a lot of volunteer uh, people providing their administration and other services. But at times, particularly when um, funding is, is scarce, uh, it's, it's important to make, I think, all organisations to say, the people we're trying to help, would they be better off if we got together with the other children's charity looking at the same cancer as we're trying to do and maybe we should be combining our efforts. Yes, it's very important because you don't want duplication and replication. David, how do people get in touch with APS to find out more? Hi, it's very easy. Um, just If you just Google Australian Philanthropic Services or, or Philanthropy and, uh, and then you'll see our website and there's a lot of information there about um, both the private ancillary fund, so that's the sort of family foundations, and the the public ancillary fund, which is in a way it's a, it's a communal way of doing way of doing philanthropy that is particularly attractive to those that um, don't have a lot of time, uh, less interested in the investment side, and are happy to leave it to the professional investors to manage the money. In most cases, uh, fee free, which always helps. 
and often the people with you know smaller amounts because one of the things we always find is people think that our oh, philanthropy that's 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 only for the billionaires it, that's not about me and the answer is yeah well even moderately well-off people can get involved and and set up a small giving fund you know and you need forty thousand dollars to start and then you can one thing we do find is once people start they they get so much satisfaction and and joy from helping others that that then becomes a bit infectious and they they want to do more and your organization APS makes it an easy process and certainly a lot less costly than going down other avenues well absolutely that we we are a not-for-profit ourselves so we're a social enterprise and we were set up by our founder Chris Cuff specifically to provide a, a low-cost and community offering. We have to be professional. We have to charge fees because we do provide a professional service that's um, as good as any other um, provided by lawyers or accountants or, or other organisations, we believe. We often provide it at you know, half or less of the cost and we don't make a profit. So we any any surplus we, we make has to be put back into the system. And one thing we found that... Um, you know, people don't mind paying for professional services to help them through this because it can be, there are some tricky questions in philanthropy, but they don't really like people making money out of their generosity. So being not-for-profit is, is seen as a major advantage, I think, for Australian philanthropic services. And then, as I said, surpluses must be applied back to our purpose, which is to grow philanthropy in, uh, in, in Australia. Which is a very important objective. David, your website, so people know where to look you up? Australianphilanthropicservices.com.au Lovely. Thank you for sharing about philanthropy today, David. It is important. And without those generous benefactors, the charities could not do the work that they do. Thank you, Kerry. It's been my pleasure. Community Centres SA advocates, connects and raises the profile of community work by sharing stories to help our community sector with this weekly podcast. Community centres are open for anyone and provide place-based activities to enrich the lives of people in our communities. Look out for the next episode and please share our podcast to your networks. Keep sending us your valuable feedback and suggestions for interviews to info at communitycentressa.asn.au. Community Conversations. For more information, check out communitycentressa.asn.au.